From the California Academy of Family Physicians, this is The Talk, a podcast series about conversations with patients about end-of-life care. The majority of physicians in California and around the nation actually support having this as an ethical option for some patients, whether or not they would do it themselves. California's new end-of-life option law, its requirements, responsibilities, and safeguards, and the range of alternatives that patients need to know. California's End-of-Life Option Act is now in effect. The law allows a terminally ill patient to request and receive aid in dying drugs. CAFP's Vice President of Health Policy, Leah Newkirk. The law is understandably very prescriptive and has lots of steps that both the patient and the physician have to take before they get to the point of prescribing an aid in dying drug. The patient must submit two oral requests 15 days apart, along with one written request to their attending physician. Their prognosis must be less than six months. They have to be mentally competent and physically able to self-administer the medication. The End-of-Life Option Act is modeled on similar laws in Washington and Oregon. Retired physician Peter Regan was the first doctor to prescribe under Oregon's Death with Dignity Law. His patient was an elderly woman with advanced metastatic breast cancer. And she was at a phase where, hey, I'm done, let's stop. Frankly, this was very frightening to me. Being on the spot of writing someone a prescription I guess I hadn't quite appreciated what that was going to feel like until I was in the position, and it was really uh, big. Regan agreed to attend at her death under one condition. You know, one thing I want you to know is that if I come over to your house and you decide not to take the medicine, I'm going to be happy. (laughs) I promise I'll be glad to just leave and hope you have a nice evening. Of course, that's not what happened. She drank the medication and passed away quietly with Regan and her family at her side. One of the biggest concerns about these laws is whether patients can be coerced or might feel coerced. LaVera Crawley is a hospital chaplain at Alta Bates Summit Medical Center in Oakland. So my concern is the message that state-sanctioned medical death gives to an unsuspecting, an unknowledgeable general community around end-of-life issues. And this is gonna particularly impact minority communities. Clarissa Kripke is a family physician at UCSF who provides care for patients with complex disabilities. For many patients from vulnerable populations, bringing it up can feel coercive. Merely presenting the option can send a negative message to patients who already fear that their lives aren't valued. The law's rigorous screening and documentation also provide protection against abuse, says Steve Heilig, medical ethicist and director of the San Francisco Medical Society. These are going to be the most scrutinized of all deaths when you look at the procedures that go through. All of these guidelines that are in there about a waiting period, about multiple requests, about consults for pain, for mental status, and things like that, are at this point justified because we're doing something new in California here. Physicians don't have to participate or even discuss the law, and they're not required to refer patients to a physician who will. However, says Leah Newkirk, physicians should be available to respond to patients' concerns. This is an opportunity for physicians to think about what they can offer and provide their patients and think about how they want to respond to those requests. How we respond often is as important as what it is we say. 
That's Greg Vandekieft, a palliative care specialist in Washington State. People are reading us. How are we receiving the question? How are we responding to them as individuals who have a very serious need? And that often is every bit as therapeutic as whatever prescription I might be asked to write. He says sometimes a patient feels like life is not worth living because of underlying depression or unmanaged pain. An elderly woman that I was consulting on looked at me and said, Doctor, I understand there's a new law where if I request it, you can write a prescription for me so that I can end my life with dignity. She finally looked at me and said, You know, doctor, I would never actually do that. It goes against my beliefs. I just wanted my family to understand how badly I'm suffering. Catherine Forrest, medical director at Stanford Healthcare in Los Altos, says aid in dying laws are most often used by patients who need to feel they're in control. I had a patient come to me who just got a terminal diagnosis and came to my office and said, I hear that the law has been passed and I would really like you to write me a prescription. It turns out that this person is really very, very concerned about cognitive function and financial concerns about the impact of this cancer on the family. It's a small number of patients who actually carry through with it. What you find is that if you work with them, give them the assurance that you'll be there for them with assisted dying if they want, very few of those even carry through. Assisted dying is another term for palliative sedation. The patient becomes unconscious and eventually stops breathing. Carl Steinberg is a long-term care geriatrician in San Diego County. Palliative sedation is something that uh, most hospices are able to do. Not all physicians are familiar with it. A lot of times it's done in an inpatient setting. Patients can also choose to stop eating and drinking. I would say as a physician who's taken care of hundreds, if not thousands of people who have died of dehydration, when somebody stops eating and drinking completely, essentially they just drift off to sleep. Eventually their blood pressure gets so low and, and they die. Livera Crawley. I think when it comes to end of life, one of the reasons we're hesitant to ask those kinds of questions is because we haven't asked ourselves those kinds of questions. We haven't really grappled with our own mortality or what it means to, to face our own end of life or these hard decisions that you have to make. They're emotional, they're existential, and that's not generally a part of our training. Forrest says as they prepare for these conversations, physicians need to answer this question. So are you comfortable with the actual choice that a human is making, in this case, the end of their life? For more information on the End of Life Option Act, please visit our website at familydocs.org EOL. The talk is brought to you by the California Academy of Family Physicians. It's produced by Deirdre Kennedy, edited by Kate Nitza and Kat Snow, audio editing help from Michael Johnson. Our theme music is written and performed by Big Score Audio. I'm Deirdre Kennedy.